welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and we are here to talk about tips and strategies that you can employ to deepen your faith, improve your relationships, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. All right, so as the topic suggests, we're going to talk about parenting today. It's been a long time since we covered that topic. You have to go back to the beginning of March when we did an episode called I-Level Parenting. And in that episode, we talked about the need to be self-controlled when we discipline our kids, the need to try and communicate authority to them in a healthy way so that when they grow up, they'll understand the very healthy authority of God. What I don't want to do is raise them, disciplining them, and training them in a way that is inconsistent with what the relationship with God will be. And if I'm yelling or making it about me or outbursts or inconsistent or hypocritical even, that's going to send the wrong message because that's not the way that God is. And I don't want my daughter to marry into an authority relationship like that. And I don't want my son to take a job under an employer who behaves like that. I want him to have a healthy understanding of what authority is like. And so I-Level Parenting was about spending a little more time eye-to-eye with your youth, especially when they're old enough to understand what's going on, and a little less time ranting and raving. So here's the thing. We want to revisit that a little bit and really crystallize in your mind an idea that should dominate all discipline of your children. That idea is simple. Two words. Effect. Change. That's what discipline is. Discipline is about shaping. It's about redirecting. It's not so much about the punishment as it is the result of the punishment. What did it bring about? If a parent is disciplining their child in a certain way over and over again, And there are no results. You've got two choices, parents. You can either, if you save the receipt, you can take your kid back and say he's broken and see if God will give you another one. Or you can take responsibility as a parent and say, maybe the discipline I've chosen is not very effective. If it's not able to reach an effect of change, and I use the word effect with an E because I want you thinking in terms of cause and effect. If you input the correct cause, discipline in a wise way, and you do it early and often consistently, then you will reap an effect. And of course, that effect is change. You've determined that your child needs to change behavior, and you've figured out the cause that brings about the effect. In other words, parents, let's take responsibility for our kids. I'm kind of over making excuses for my kids. I have two teenagers. What I'm not going to do if they are inconsistent in something or they keep doing something wrong, I'm not going to make excuses for them or blame them. I'm not going to tell you it's because they're teenagers or it's because they're tired or it's because they have a lot on their mind. And I'm not going to blame them and say, well, it's because they're teenagers and they just don't have a maturity about them yet. No, why am I doing that? I'm the parent. If they need to be changed, I need to change them so long as they live under my authority. I'm ready to take responsibility for that. But in doing that, I also have to take responsibility for the possibility that my cause is terrible. That the cause that I'm putting in is not getting the effect because the cause is foolish. Do you know what I'm talking about here? 
I'm talking about parents who discipline in such a foolish way. Maybe it's because it's overtly emotional or self-serving. Maybe because it's out of a lack of self-control. Maybe because it's the way they were disciplined when they were little. But it in no way resonates with the child himself or herself and seemingly in no way is producing the desirable effect or results. Parents, it's time to rethink things. And this episode is about that. In some senses, it's about individualizing the way that you discipline your children and judging your success as a parent on the effect of the choice, not on how valiantly you make it. Now, let me just say, there are a lot of God's people who disagree with what I'm saying. They hang their hats on the physical punishment language in the Proverbs and believe that that's the only way. So there are a handful of Proverbs that talk about the rod and using the rod of discipline. And some people take that very literally, that that always means using some physical or corporal punishment. And I'm here to tell you, that may work great. If that's bringing about the result and it's helping to curb their behavior, that's awesome. But you also need to be willing to admit that that type of punishment does not work with every child. And instead of considering them hard-hearted or hard-headed because the rod isn't changing them, maybe you need to reevaluate what God is teaching there in terms of principles. Maybe it's time to change your approach, and that begins with a re-evaluation of the language in the Proverbs and what God is driving at. I taught a class on this the other day, and so I want to be really clear because there was some confusion coming out of that class. I'm going to read a few Proverbs to you here about the rod, and I am not saying that it excludes corporal punishment. This episode is not saying to stop swatting your two-year-old. Your two-year-old may only understand one kind of input, and that input is physical pain. And they learn to react properly when they have that input. That may be great. But I am here to tell you that there certainly comes an age of child where they understand what's going on, and they can have a conversation, and they can answer for their choices. And just running to the rod because that's the answer you believe God is giving you might be missing the point. I would more often teach that the rod of Proverbs is a figure for whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do within the confines of the will of God, whatever it takes to effect change, to get the God-honorable result. Take something like Proverbs 13.24, He who withholds his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Well, this word rod can be literally translated correction or discipline. It's effectively saying whoever withholds correction hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Does that mean a physical rod is necessary? Maybe. If that's the tool that brings the results, that's the right tool. But are you willing to admit that using the same old tools the same old way without it working, is actually insanity. Insanity is not the child. Insanity is the parent who keeps trying the same thing over and over, not getting the right results, and yet expecting different ones. What I think he's saying here is, you need to use whatever tool is necessary. So for some children, that means conversation. For some, it means going to their room and sitting there until they're through crying. For some, it means standing in the corner. For some, it means physical punishment. For some, it means taking something away. For others, it means giving them responsibilities and duties that they didn't previously have. Whatever gets to the result 
And we're going to talk more about that. That's what parents have to own up to and own the responsibility of figuring out how to accomplish. And of course, doing so diligently, being consistent in that so that you can see those results come to fruition, especially when you found something that works. You really want to work that. Here's another one. How about Proverbs 22, verse 15? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Now, yeah, kids are foolish. They're immature. They don't understand. They go the wrong way. And we're the ones who take responsibility for driving that out. We want to get them changed, heading in the right direction. The rod of discipline will remove it far from them. But you might as well interpret that the rod which is discipline. I am not convinced that it demands a physical rod in order to drive out internal foolishness. But it does take a tool. A tool that is effective for them. A tool that they cannot ignore. That triggers a response. The desired response. And parents have to put in the work to figure out what that rod of discipline is. So before we get to a few examples here, I want you to understand this process. If you have children or grandchildren or young people who you've been put in charge of influencing, consider this. Work your way backwards to the punishment. Don't just start with, here's the standard punishment. I raise my voice. I send him to his room. uh, I go get the paddle off of the refrigerator and just have that one-size-fits-all fixer. Try working in reverse. Here's what I mean by that. Effecting change. Start with the change. What is the behavior that you need to see? If your teenage boy is being disrespectful, the only way you're successful in your discipline is if he becomes respectful. So I know what I want to see. I want to see that change. I've identified that. If it's your three-year-old and he's throwing fits every time he doesn't get his way, you've identified, here's the change. I need him to be able to hold those emotions in or at least not make a scene that lasts for a half an hour. I start with looking at the individual child, the individual problem, and identifying what the change is. I'll tell you why this is important. Because as I said at the beginning, we discipline over and over and over again, consistently sometimes, sometimes inconsistently, and we feel like we've done our job. You know, Ephesians 6.4, raise up your kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We've done our job. And so whether they get it or not, change or not, we're doing the right thing. I don't see that at all. If we're not effecting, cause and effect, if we're not inputting a cause, that over time, with consistency, brings about the desired effect, then we're not disciplining our children. Disciplining doesn't mean hurting or punishing. It more commonly means redirecting, changing, and training them to do better. Which, by the way, is consistent with the kind of discipline that the Lord inflicts upon us. It's almost never joyful. Hebrews tells us that. And maybe it's punishment for something that I've done wrong, or maybe it's a trial that God puts in front of me because he knows that I need to be trained to be better. It's not one size fits all. We don't have the same repercussions for sin all the way across the board. We don't face the exact same trials, every one of us, and pass the same tests. Our Father disciplines each one of us in the way that we need in order to achieve the effect the change that needs to happen. 
What we're saying is be individualistic in that way with your kids and be willing to own up to the time it's going to take to identify the chains it's needed and be more wise in the discipline, the cause that goes into it. Okay, let's use the rest of our time looking at some examples. I'm going to try not to use specifics from our own household so as not to embarrass the kids, but I can't promise anything. All right, so let's say you have a four-year-old who is just constantly falling apart emotionally. Something doesn't go her way, she's crying. She's throwing a fit, and you've tried everything. You tell her to stop, she can't stop. I mean, she really can't stop. Like, she emotionally is falling apart. You can spank her, I guess, and maybe that'll work. Maybe that works. It didn't really work for our kids because they're already emotionally out of balance And spanking in that moment, maybe in the long term, it creates better triggers. But in that moment, all it does is makes them wilder and crazier. So in our house, historically, with kids ages, you know, three to seven or whatever, if you want to get upset and you want to pout or cry or throw a fit, go right on ahead. You just go for it. But you will always do it in your room, on your bed, by yourself. Our house is a stress-free zone. Our house is a cool, calm, and collected fellowship. And the only exception is solitary confinement to your bed. So we've been employing that a long time. My uh, eight-year-old just turned eight. When he was a little younger, he'd lose a game of Uno. He'd fall apart on me. I'd just lift my finger and point to the room, and he'd get up and go. And he knew the rule. The rule was, I have to stay in here until I've collected myself and I have a better attitude. Now, if you're a corporal punishment person, you're listening to this thinking, nope, nope, you whip that kid. You absolutely make a scene right then and there, and eventually he won't fall apart like that. Well, I'm just here to tell you that was not our experience. That would be me trying something over and over again that maybe I felt like I was doing the right thing, but is it the right thing? If it's not affecting, if it's not a cause that affects consistent results, Putting him into solitary, because that's something he dislikes immensely, immediately bore results and consistent results. It took a little time, a little self-assessment, and some humility on our part. But again, this is about the effect, not about the cause. And also, and I think you're catching on to this, once we find a cause that is ultimately effective, even though it takes time, I'm not randomly issuing punishments when something happened. I did not want to be one of those parents where when the kid did something wrong, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'm going to yell at them. Maybe I'm going to swat at them. Maybe I'm going to send them to their room. Random causes do not create desired effects. We came up with what worked and we stick to it. Another example would be teenagers. I've got a couple of those right now. How's that working out for us? It's actually pretty good. They're pretty great. But they have their issues. You know, I was a teenage boy once and I'll just use myself instead of Luke for an example. I talk back to my mom a lot. I spent time talking back and fighting with her and arguing with her. And look, she went through all the regular stuff. You know, she'd pop me sometimes or take the TV away for a day or two or whatever. But Luke and I, my son Luke and I, share something in common. We really enjoy conversations with our mother. Like even though I was being argumentative, I just wanted to talk to her. I enjoyed that, and in many ways I still do. And Luke does too. He loves to just have conversations with Summer, but sometimes he gets a little chippy. So guess what we figured out? If the effect is, the change is, stop getting chippy and edgy, and we needed to affect that in a way that would be memorable, 
The cause is, if he starts it, the conversation's over. If you say something you shouldn't, and you get warned once, but you decide to do it again, yeah, I guess I could send him to his room, but, you know, he's not like the little kids. He would probably enjoy that solitary, you know, teenagers and all that kind of stuff. Take his phone away for a week or something, you know, he'll get over that in a couple of days, and it won't be very effective. But if we end the conversation, just go. He didn't want to end it. He wanted to be chippy, but he wanted it to continue. We found a cause. Both in the case of my mother with me and now with Luke, we found a cause that brought about an effect, a change immediately in his behavior, lest he forfeit the whole conversation, which would hurt him. Now, you might be thinking, well, that won't work with my teenager. He would love if the conversation ended. No, I get that. That's what I'm saying. You've got to find out what are you trying to get out of this and what makes the biggest difference, and then just stay consistent with that. Part of the exasperating your children that the New Testament warns against is inconsistency in the way that we discipline them. I don't have to wonder what I'm going to do if my son gets a little bit out of hand verbally. I already know, he already knows, and it does a pretty good job. Okay, we're done with the study. I hope you found it helpful. I would love to hear your feedback on this. If you can get better, get wiser on the cause, and you do so early and often, you will see results. Or you just need to get better. Better parents, better kids. Wiser causes, more desirable effects. So look, some parents hang on to Old Testament verses and use a lot of corporal punishment. Some parents hold on to New Testament verses and use a different kind of instruction. So far as it fits under what the Bible says, our allowances, and the way that we discipline, just remember this. Moms and dads who are doing it right are parents effecting change. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to support this program, go check out our new website, excelstillmore.life. You can subscribe to emails there. There are book recommendations, show notes, lots of great things. We'd love for you to check it out. And don't forget to share this program with your friends if you think it'll help them. And you can always follow along on the Facebook page. And please remember, whatever you do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.